This is Horsepower Happenings. Every once in a while, you get to the racetrack, and that pesky little bug crawls up and bites you, and you go, man, I ought to dust off my driver's seat. No, I'll I'll never go back. uh, I'll never go back to full-time racing. I'm too old. I mean, there's there's some guys older than me still doing it. God bless them. Distinguished news, industry insight, and exclusive interviews. We wrapped it up at the end of last year. I will tell you this. We are going to run. You're the first person that's actually been told this officially. With Zach Heiser. Here comes Jared Horstman to the inside. He's got Max Stambaugh picked off. He's around Chase Ryan now. Jared Horstman up to third down the back straightaway. And Rich France. The number 11 Hilliker machine does have a flat right front tire, uh, some body damage. He may be able to come down into the hot pit and uh, replace his tire and get back out. Michigan Short Track Racing Authority. This is Travis Stemler. Joe Westbrook, driver of the Hills Racing 47 This is Barry Marlowe. This is 14-time ARCA champion Ron Allen. This is three-time dirt car UMP national champion Rusty Schlink. And this is Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, race fans. Welcome into the final episode of Horsepower Happenings for the 2020 season. Glad to have you with us. Special guest Brian Osborne waiting in the wings. Rich France is also waiting to get tonight's show underway. Before we do so, still got some news to cover, so let's take a look at some things that are happening in a Motor City Minute. Nashville Fairground Speedway will again be the host of the JEG CRA All-Stars Tour for the annual Masters of the Pros 150. Once held in Michigan at Birch Run Speedway, the Masters is headed back to Nashville for the second year in a row. Matt Craig picked up the win in last year's event. Fans will have to wait a little longer to see racing back at the famed Rockingham Speedway in North Carolina. Event promoters have pushed the event back from March to October after a tire test showed the track too abrasive for the tires anticipated for use. Cars Tour officials have asked Hoosier Tire to develop a race tire specifically for the event at The Rock. If the current projections hold, the NTT IndyCar Series could be in for an uh, appreciable uh, growth in entries for 2021. Expansions at Chip Ganassi Racing, Meyer Shank Racing, and Team Penske highlight the known additions to the field. And more are possible with months to go end of the planned season opener at St. Petersburg on March 5th through the 7th. Working from the uh, 23 in 2020, a full-time field of 25 cars is anticipated with the number climbing at select rounds where part-timers would join into the field. Those things and much more happening tonight on Horsepower Happenings. Good evening, Zach Heiser, that's me. Rich France joins me. Brian Osborne is also on the call. Good evening, gentlemen. How are we doing? Hi, Zach. How you doing, my friend? Doing well. Nice to have you. Hope you had a good Christmas. Brian Osborne, thanks for joining us tonight. Oh, great to be back. And uh, Rich, let's get into some things that are going on. We got news. We got Brian. Uh, he's going to help us recap uh, some of the 2020 events. But before we do that, uh, let's take a look at some things that are happening in the industry tonight. Yeah, Zach. Um, I know coming up here shortly, something I'm looking forward to. Uh, too bad we have to wait a couple of more weeks with the Chili Bowl Nationals uh, just a couple weeks away. Uh, some of the bigger names are now adding their name to the list. Uh, now, Though that list is now upwards of 300 entries, Zach. Uh, in the past week, Ryan Newman and Ricky Stenhouse Jr. have added their names to the list. Now, we could never go through this entire list, Zach, of course, <laughs> but some of the big names already entered include Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Justin Algeyer, Chase Briscoe, Christopher Bell, uh, who are joining the names you would typically see at this event, like Abreu, Gravel, Swindell, Sweet, Courtney, Timez, McCready, Hayfertip, C.B. Bacon, McIntosh, Zach, tell me when to stop. 
how in the world are we going to handicap this one when it comes down to time time to do it? You know, I like the names that we've seen being added to this event. And, uh, Brian, you can jump in here, too, if you want. But how about Ryan Newman, man? Nearly, and we're going to talk about this later on in the show, nearly, you know, ends up losing his racing career at the beginning of everything at the Daytona 500. Now, all of a sudden, we're going to see him go to the Chili Bowl. Um, of course, Ricky Stenhouse Jr., we know that he has uh, got a dirt past. We've already talked about Chase Elliott, Kyle Larson, Justin Allgaier. As you mentioned, you join these folks with, uh, like you said, Abreu, Gravel, Swindell, all the guys that we already know that are good behind the wheel of a dirt car. And this event is just going to be huge. And I think it's going to be great, too. And I think what we're seeing here, Brian, is we're seeing drivers who are usually just limelight race car drivers showing that they want to race all the time. And, and I love it. Yeah, without a doubt. It's uh, it's great seeing all that crossover and, and seeing guys uh, just, yeah, whenever there's a race, they, they're not going to let, you know, they're going to do whatever they can to go to them. But guys, you know what? Um, I read off all those names. Tell me one name that is mysteriously missing from all of those. Uh, I don't know. There's so many that are in there. Who uh, It's easy to forget who we're missing. Uh, hit, hit us. The gentleman, the gentleman that's won more midget races in the United States than anybody? Mm, yeah. Had, 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 him on, had, had an interview with him on the show about a year ago? Come on, Rich. You're 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 obviously you're the only one who's got a clear brain tonight. <laughs> Tony Stewart, smoke. He's okay. not on the list. Yeah, good point. Good point. Well, you know that's going to be interesting because Tony Wright is working alongside with Ray Evernham to get this new series going for 2021. I think it's the SRX series, um, if I'm not mistaken. And Tony just got done venturing into the pavement uh, drag racing world not very long ago, so that'll be intriguing to uh to see if he decides but i also don't know this uh, rich when's the last time we've seen tony stewart compete at the chili bowl i think it's been quite a few years yeah i don't know i just remember you know last year at the rumble he he still has his midget cars so maybe he's just waiting to see if he has time or what's going on i know they have restrictions there in tulsa uh not nearly the fans they're going to be allowed to have so we'll kind of have to see maybe yeah maybe he uh I think, well, what was it, a few years ago, he, he got in a pretty good wreck there. Maybe he doesn't want to be indoors on the dirt. That, right. Indoors doesn't bother him. He, he has no problem going on pavement, that's for sure. Let's talk about this. Uh, I-96 Speedway announced their full schedule uh, back on Christmas Day. And here's the thing that I found interesting, kind of taking a page out of the Mike Blackmere playbook, but changing the division. Um, in this schedule for 2021, we see what is called a non-wing challenge series. And it looks like in total we'll see five nights of non-wing sprint car action at I-96 Speedway. The difference, though, this will not be sanctioned by the Great Lakes traditional sprints. This will be an I-96 Speedway non-wing challenge series. Brian Osborne, I want to get your thoughts first, given that we all know your connection to Mike Blackmere and how the late model challenge series went. This is interesting to me to see Jeff Dice and I-96 try to do a non-wing sprint car challenge series. We've not seen non-wing sprint car racing on a regular basis aside from the traditional sprints tour. I don't think we've ever seen this be a division for a local racetrack here in Michigan. No, not uh, not to my knowledge. Um, I mean, the only track that I know that even had sprint cars as a division period is uh, your home uh, home track there, Zach Butler, and those are wings, obviously. So, yeah, um, I'm not surprised by the decision. I know some of the folks at 96, I know they've been kind of mulling around how they could make 
sprint cars more. I mean, believe it or not, even though, I mean, it seems like there's sprint cars there every week now. They actually wanted to get more into sprint cars. So yeah, this, I'm not really surprised with this. This, this schedule is loaded with sprint car racing, and we talked about that over the last couple of weeks. Um, but the first three weeks of the year in April are sprint car races. Uh, then the first three weeks of May are sprint car races. We don't see late model action until May 21st, Rich France, at I-96 Speedway. Um, this schedule, we already have kind of previewed it. We've talked about it. Jeff Dice making an investment in sprint car racing, so much so that it is now going to be a part of their uh, regular program, even when it's not sanctioned. Well, Zach, we had talked about this the last couple of weeks. What is going to happen with the late models? Well, apparently 15 times throughout 2021, I did the math, he's going to have late models there at I-96 Speedway as well, uh, Some sometimes in conjunction uh, with the sprint cars. So, I think he's made his point. Um, he's not, you know, throwing the uh, late models out with the with the bathwater. Right. Uh, I think he's going to try to do two things at once, and we, and we're going to have to see how it works out. You know, Brian, you and I have talked off the air before about the surface at I ninety six Speedway and the racing that we see. Um, you and I are both late model racing. You know, late model fans. Um, sprint cars is kind of where we hit our divide, but. I think you'd agree this is one of the better tracks in the state of Michigan for sprint car racing in the realm of a lot of speed and a lot of side-by-side racing. Without a doubt. I mean, I would say there's no argument. I-96 is by far the best sprint car track in the entire state of Michigan. It's I actually, I mean, like I said, we usually hit that divide, but I will go to 96 to watch a sprint car race just because of how good that track is and how good it is with sprint cars especially. I've I've seen better better racing, better uh, just better action to follow with the sprint cars at 96 than late models have, and that's um, and that's saying something. Let's move on to the pavement realm of 2021 schedules. This is kind of a 2020 wrap-up show and a 2021 preview show tonight in a way. Zach Heiser, Rich France, Brian Osborne chatting with you tonight. It's our pleasure, Rich, to get an opportunity to be the ones to debut the Victory Custom Trailers CRA Junior Late Model Series 2021 schedule. And it's interesting. I got to thinking about it today, Rich. Um, 2021, the third year for the Junior Late Models for CRA. This could be the first year that a non-Michigan driver wins this championship, although we have heard, we talked to Andy Bozell a couple of weeks ago, they're interested in getting a car going for this. I'm not saying Michigan's out, but Chase Berta and Katie Hettinger have won this championship the past two years. Michigan has been very well represented, and it's our pleasure to go through this schedule here tonight for the first time. Yeah, Zach, well, we know, one thing we know for sure is that we're going to probably see our third different championship in the first three years of the Junior Late Model Series. So especially with, you know, Chase doing such a great job uh, in the Jake Serie All-Stars Tour, Katie moving up to that, uh, plus running some uh, racing down with GMS Racing down in North Carolina. So she's going to be a busy young lady this summer. Don't think she's going to have much time. Uh, to race any of the junior stuff. And here's the thing. They're on their way to test. Actually, they probably have landed by the time this show is being recorded uh, to test again this week down in North Carolina. So she's getting a lot of seat time. So let's take a look at this schedule for the first time here on Horsepower Happenings. This is an 11-race schedule. 
that will span from uh, from April through September. The first race is going to be at Kill, Kill, Kill Care Raceway, a very tricky racetrack down in Xenia, Ohio. That'll kick things off on Sunday, April 11th, Rich, before they go to Salem Speedway on Saturday, May 15th. And then here's the exciting one. The uh, Jags, or excuse me, the Victory Custom Trailer CRA Junior Late Models will make their debut at Nashville Fairground Speedway on Saturday, May 29th on the very tricky quarter mile down there in Nashville. Yeah, that trick, that quarter miles, uh, it, when, when you walk, go down there and look at it, you're like, this is it. But right. I, we've watched those races and it is tricky. You have, it is not easy to pass for sure. Uh, long straightaways, tight corners. So you're going to, that, that track is really going to be, it's going to be paramount for anybody that goes down there. Have your car handling in the corner. Here's what I want to ask you is, and I've only been to Toledo Speedway once, for those who've never been to Nashville, how does the quarter mile at Nashville compare to the quarter mile at Toledo? Not even close. How They're so? What's the difference? Uh, Toledo Speedway, it's probably more of a fifth mile. Okay. Um, so it, it's really small, and it's more round, um, almost round. You're never going straight. Uh, Nashville Fairground Speedway you can order a pizza down the straightaways. I mean, I, I mean, there it, it's tight corners and, and at Toledo, they're kind of flowing. So you're never, ever really turning the wheel straight national fairground speedway for sure. You got to keep it on the bottom in the corners and get up off the corner real well. Saturday, June 12th, the uh, juniors will go to Anderson speedway, a racetrack that has given them fits in the past. Uh, one of the last races there of 2020, they wrecked almost every single car at one point. Uh, I don't think that there was a car left unscathed at the end of the last race there at Anderson. And then on Saturday, June 19th, rich, uh, they're scheduled to go to flat rock speedway, which I also do believe will be a, uh, a debut at flat rock. If I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they've. Uh, this will be the first attempt. Uh, they 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 were going to be on the schedule last year, I believe, but that didn't work out. Yeah. So yeah. So on my birthday. Oh, how about they, that? They <laughs> yep. The, uh, on my on my birthday, the uh, the junior late models will be at Flat Rock Speedway, and they'll enjoy that. If 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 uh, that will be a racy little track for them. Any even the big late models put on a show on that track. There's plenty of room to race. Uh, they should really have fun in their first trip to Flat Rock. Saturday, July 10th, they come to my backyard, and Gola Motor Speedway is just a stone's throw away from where I'm at. Um, so they'll go there Saturday, July 10th. I think that'll be a debut race there at Angola. Then on Sunday, July 25th, back to Kilcare in Xenia, Ohio. Then on Saturday, July 31st, they go to Birch Run Speedway, and that'll be the final race of the regular season, Rich, before the three-race chase for the championship, which will begin at Anderson Speedway on August 14th. Then on Friday, August 20th, back to Birch Run Speedway before it all comes to an end on Saturday, September 18th at Toledo Speedway. And I do believe that's part of the Glass City 200 event. Yep, just like it was this year. Uh, they made that part of the Glass City 200. And wouldn't that be neat if they made that a tradition to make that part of the Glass City 200? Um, those youngsters, it didn't happen this year. Uh, you know, they, they had to race in front of 15% capacity, but wouldn't that be great to uh, this year have 8,000 fans at Toledo Speedway <laughs> and have these kids racing for a championship in front of them? That'd cheering, be great. Cheering them all on. It would be a great thing. I don't want to leave anybody out. We want to get to the Jags and uh, Arcus uh, schedule as well. So quickly, I'll go through the other CRA schedules for the uh, street stocks. We have Saturday, April 11th at Kill Care, April 17th at Anderson, a non-point special on the 25th 
at Salem. Then they head to Shady Bowl on May 1st, May 15th, back at Salem. Winchester Speedway on the schedule here in June on the 5th, then Mount Lawn Speedway on the 13th. June 26th to Anderson Speedway for a big 150-lap event. Kilcare Raceway on the 25th of July, August 14th, back to Anderson for 150 laps. Back to Winchester, September 4th through the 5th. Then Anderson Speedway as the chase uh, gets underway for 75 laps. Lucas Oil Raceway on October 7th, or excuse me, October 2nd. And Winchester Speedway will end the regular season and the championship uh, October 16th before the non-point special at Nashville Fairground Speedway as part of the All-American 400. And then late model sportsmen, very similar to the street stocks. April 11th at Killcare, April 17th at Anderson, May 23rd at Mount Lawn Speedway, June 5th at Winchester, July 10th at Angola. Then on Sunday, July 25th, Killcare Raceway, August 14th at Anderson. The chase begins on that September 4th through the 5th weekend at Winchester before they go to Anderson. Lucas Oil, and Winchester Speedway, nearly identical for the late model sportsmen and the street stocks. Here's the juicy part that I enjoyed that I think we're going to try to get Brian Osborne to go to more of these. The JAG CRE All-Stars Tour schedule looks pretty good for 2021. I like, Zach, I like the ones where you add a bunch of zeros on the end of the first number. Those are big races. You know, when you have when you see 100 laps or more, uh, those are events that you don't want to miss. Let's uh, those. Those are awesome events. Let's highlight some of these races we're going to have to take Brian to. Brian, uh, put these down in your calendar. Nashville Fairground Speedway on Saturday, May 8th. This will be part, the ARCA CRE Super Series and Jags Tour will be there. This will be part of the North-South uh, Challenge with the CRA sanctions, the uh, the Cars Tour, the Southern Super Series. They will all be involved in this at Nashville Fairground Speedway on May 8th. That's going to be a lot of fun. Then we are going to have to get him down to Birch Run Speedway on Saturday, July 31st. That'll be fun. Berlin Raceway for the uh, Battle of Berlin, the 251, on Saturday, August 21st. That kicks off the chase for the championship for both the ARCA CRA Super Series and the JAG CRA All-Stars Tour before they both go to Winchester Speedway on September 4th through the 5th. Then it's Lucas Oil Raceway for Jags on October 2nd, September 18th, Toledo Speedway. Uh, the Glass City 200 is part of the chase format, and then the regular season wraps up at Winchester Speedway on October 15th. Of course, some other great events scattered out through that schedule as well, including the ARCA CRA Super Series sanctioning the Berlin Raceway Money in the Bank once again. This time, though, Rich, interestingly enough, on a Wednesday this year, June 9th, the Money in the Bank with the CRA Super Series. You know, you look at these schedules and it's fun. And, and I want to ask Brian, you know, how many of these can we get you to go to? Because I know you just love practice after being down <laughs> at Nashville. Oh, I love practice. I don't even know why we race. We could just practice all day. Um, yeah. <laughs> well, it'll be, I don't know, those Saturday night ones are going to be kind of tough for me yeah, due to uh, my other commitments. But um, I would, you know, like that Wednesday night show at Berlin, I've, I've never been never been to that one so I'd, I'd love to check that out we'll have to see if we can get mike blackmare to give him a vacation day here or there and uh, see what we can do because he's right the saturdays are, are pretty loaded here for the arca schedules uh, i do want to tell you this you can find the full schedules available online at cra-racing.com and also the first event for the cra sanction of 2021 is coming up here in a couple of weeks believe it or not watermelon capital speedway saturday friday and saturday january 22nd through the 23rd 200 laps for the arca CRA 
CRA Super Series and 125 laps for the JAG CRA All-Stars Tour. That coming up here in just a couple of weeks. All right, Rich, let's get into it now. We are going to recap the 2020 season, and you have uh, a little bit of a presentation prepared for us tonight. Yeah, I do. You know, Zach, um, I'm a numbers guy, right? Uh, for example, uh, before the season, this, before the 2020 season, as you know, I was trying to figure out how many months of racing we were going to miss due to the pandemic. Remember, thinking back to that, everybody had their opinion of what, how long we were going to miss. And then once we got going, every time we had a race day, it was like, what's the percentage of the chance it's going to rain that day that we're going to get <laughs> rained out? Okay. And then after we got to the racetrack, what were the odds that we were going to get done at a decent time? Oh, boy. Okay? You got a lot of categories here. <laughs> Yeah, so, so, and you know every one of these is true because I, I would mention them and you'd say, don't jinx us. So, um, you know, we've had discussions about all of those. So I thought I would put some more numbers together just to see how 2020 actually worked out and what we saw. So by the numbers, and these are some of the guys that we saw race, whether we had to travel uh, and see them or in our state. Uh, but the number two, the number two, Stephen Nassie became the second driver to win two Southern Super Series championships. Nassie was the champion in 2017 and 2020. The number three, Cody Coughlin claimed three Jag Serie All-Stars Tour victories, uh, including the season finale this year at Winchester, on his way to claiming the series title for the third time in his career. And eight, that would be Ty Majeski collecting eight late model wins in only 11 starts during the 2020 season. Uh, Majeski's major wins included the Snowball Derby, Oktoberfest, Slinger Nationals, and the Rattler 250. And then a gentleman you spoke to, Zach, 11. Jock Bro Josh Brock's 11th place finish at the Winchester 400 clinched his second career Arca CR Super Series Championship. Brock did not win a race in 2020 but he finished no worse than 13th in 10 starts. And then while we're on 13, the number 13, Bubba Pollard has won at least one super late model race at Five Flags Speedway for 13 straight seasons. What people don't see on the surface though, Zach, is that the track only hosts four or five events per season. Pollard has dominated the Blizzard Series with 22 wins and four championships, including one this season. And Zach, this one here, I would say 252. What could that one possibly be? 252. Well, it's not events that we went to this year, so I don't know. <laughs> Derek Thorne led a race high and record-setting 252 laps at the Snowball Derby this year and failed to win. Thorne becomes the 20th driver to lead over 100 laps in a single event and not win the race it'd be interesting to go back and check how many laps he led at nashville too because he dominated the all-american 400 until his tangle up with carson hosevar and, and he didn't win that one either so very interesting yeah he's been very strong so now we're going to get locally okay that's that's a little regional and national stuff that we had so i just picked out a few local ones zero the number zero what do you think number of races that many racetracks had this year <laughs> yeah well you know what i can almost give that to you the number of events flat rock kalamazoo auto city birch run and corrigan oil speedways got in combined yeah how disappointing the number zero for all of those racetracks so the number one uh the number of events held at springport mid michigan speedway no 
Dona Marcoulier picked up his first ever Summer Nationals Hell Tour win and the first Michigan driver to accomplish that feat in over 10 years. I want to park it right there because, Brian, you had a chance to witness that, and you were in the booth with the Hell Tour when that all unfolded. What was that moment like, uh, thinking back to what Dona was able to accomplish there? Oh, it was, I mean, it was so cool. I mean, um, to see a guy not only win it, but, you know, he took the lead with, uh, I want to, I can't remember exactly, but he had, you know, he had the lead for, um, you know, multiple laps there going down to the end. And it was just so neat to see not only a Michigan driver win it, but a guy who races at Tri-City basically weekly uh, just pull that off. I mean, that was just, uh, you know, it's just, it's definitely one of the highlights for my 2020 and, and, really ever as far as long as you know i've been following the hell tour about 10 years so Mm. it's uh it it was it was something special for sure the part that's interesting to me guys is the fact that dona marcoulier became rich as you said the first driver to do it in over a decade i mean it took so long for a michigan driver to finally win in michigan you know that i i didn't believe that i couldn't believe it until i found out uh and i i think i figured it out down in victory lane you know i didn't know that uh that it had happened, but, uh, it was pretty incredible. And you kind of thought that that might, if it was going to happen, that was going to be the place. Yeah. Anybody comes to Dona Marcoulier's backyard at his racetrack and you better have everything perfect. And, and Frankie Hackenass Jr. Almost did for 40 laps. Yeah, <laughs> absolutely. Well, let's keep playing your numbers game. What else you got? Okay. We got one more left and it's the number four, Zach. Uh, Crown Jewel events won by Carson Hosevar. There you go. Carson <laughs> Hosevar picked up four major wins within our region in 2020. The Red Bud 400 at Anderson, the Money in the Bank 150 at Berlin, the Glass City 200 at Toledo, and the Winchester 400. What a season that Carson Hosevar had, and uh, we had a chance to witness a lot of those in person, whether on pay-per-view or whether being in the stands. I think one of the most, uh, I don't want to say challenging events for him to win, but I think the one that probably means the most to him was the Winchester 400. I think if Steven Nassie's car doesn't fail him, I don't know if he wins that race, but it's definitely a much stronger finish at the end, Rich. Uh, well, that's true. I mean, Steven Nassie proved before his problems that he had a very strong car. And even when, um, you know, I had talked to Carson after the race and, I asked him, you know, when Steven got out there ahead of you, were you concerned? And he said, I was absolutely concerned. Yeah. Because at that time, we weren't the best we could be. And Steven Nassie looked pretty darn good at that point. And then, uh, you know, they all had a round of pit stops. Everything got better for Carson. And everything went the wrong way uh, for Steven Nassie. Well, I just kind of put a little bit of a list together here of uh, some things on the pavement side as I kind of break this up. And, and Brian, will definitely let you weigh in here. I know that uh, Winchester 400, uh, Brian, you had a chance to go to that for the, your first time. And uh, I, I want to go back to that. What was your experience like there at Winchester? Well, it, um, it, it was interesting. I mean, they, I had heard for years and years, you know, you got to go to Winchester, Winchester 400s, the, um, the big, the real deal. And, uh, I was surprised that, uh, I guess surprised, but not surprised from where I come from in the dirt world, but seeing how Winchester is kind of located out in the middle of nowhere, <laughs> but, um, but the race itself. Yeah. I mean, it was, uh, it was fantastic in the track. Yeah. With those high banks, it's just, uh, some special to see, you know, the stars of the short tracks go at it. And it's, um, I like, like I told you right after I, I would, uh, I would go back and I plan yeah. on going back 
uh, in 2021. And that's something to hear on a Brian Osborne, Mr. Dirt himself. Um, so while we're talking about Winchester, I want to mention this, Rich, a topic that we have covered several times. Uh, the Midwest Modifieds Tour gets one event in at 20 in 2020, and it is the Run for the Gun 50 at Winchester. And what a spectacular race it was on that Saturday evening. It was, you know, and and we were all hoping for Brian Nestor and Bud Gray to get a great car count right out of the gate. And boy, they did. I thought it was 28, 30 cars they got uh, for the run for the gun. Uh, and and it, it was a great event. Those cars um, are a handful at Winchester. You, you watch that whole race. And even in, even at the beginning when they had fresh tires, uh, the horsepower on the eight, eight or nine inch tires um, were a handful. And they, they really did put on a great show. And my other list of 2020 moments, Berlin Raceway debuts a brand new class this year. Even with only having four races approved for their schedule, they debut the limited late model division. Rich, you had a chance to see them race in person. You'll remember this was kind of an answer to a problem they were facing. The modified division was only drawing about six cars a night. Their uh, late model division was doing fine, but they had some guys that kind of fell in the middle there with budget issues. And so this was their answer, a limited late model. And for only four events on the schedule, we still saw a not bad car count. Um, and the racing definitely has some room to improve. But I still applaud Berlin for launching a new class here in 2020. Yeah, and my only thing was, you know, when they were in line, I thought there were a bunch of different divisions. These cars, a lot of them look different from each other. <laughs> some of them some of them were template cars that came out to race in it. Uh, some were very tricked up bodies mm -hmm. uh to say the least and and then some looked like a combination of outlaw late models and modifieds sure um you know but those were the rules now we we're hoping that they you know they had a i think they had only two or three two or three guys um kind of that were running up front together uh josh fry being run of and tim devos being the other um you kind of knew that was going to happen josh fry when we had him on the show thought you know we, he was going to have a really good car uh but then a lot of the, a lot of the rest were kind of back away so we were hoping maybe they'd make some tweaks to the rules after they saw what they were dealing with and, and maybe tighten that field up just a little bit yeah it'll be interesting to see how that develops here in 2021 um some more local things that happened this year that i really before we get into the the two big ones that i think are atop my list katie hattinger wins the cra junior late model series championship she becomes just the uh, first driver, I do believe, to win a championship with CRA. Um, and, you know, what an accomplishment for that young lady. And then with her partnership with GMS and everything that she's got going on, being from Michigan, uh, that was awesome. And then you pair that up with Chase Berta, the 2019 Junior Late Model Series champion. He wins the JEGS CRA All-Stars Tour Rookie of the Year title. And so a, a couple of great showings for Michigan on CRA this year. Exactly, Zach, and and you stopped one spot because I really like this young man. Yeah, uh, Andrew Scheid, really. Um, you know, Andrew. You know, we. I watched. My first introduction was Andrew was indoor karting, mm -hmm. watching him do that, and and then he then he kind of moved moved out to the sprint cars, and you know started getting good, and he really started getting good at that. I mean, he really did in a wing sprint car, and uh, and then last year, you know, he kind of. They had him out of Berlin for a few weeks down there, getting used to a super late model. So um, I like I like how he's spreading everything around and getting experience in a little bit of everything. Because I, I right now, I honestly don't know what we're going to continue to see him in. 
but I'm going to guess it's super late models. Well, that's we, just my that's just my thought. Well, we broke the news a couple of months ago that he's going to run the Jenks Tour in 2021. He's going to be down at New Smyrna for Speed Weeks. Brian Osborne, you've seen young Andrew Scheid up Merritt with the uh, lightning sprints up there. He was a champion up there in that. Uh, what were your thoughts? Were you surprised to hear that Andrew was going to go pavement racing? No, not at all. Um, just, you know, with his partnership with uh, our, you know, with my uh, boss, Mike Blackmer, and Mike's uh, past own ownership of uh, Jegs and CRA cars, it, it didn't surprise me at all uh, when Andrew made that jump. I mean, he's had that plan right from the beginning. Uh, when even when he made the jump from lightning sprints to sprint cars, I remember the one of the local news stations around Grand Rapids even profiled him, and uh, they said in that interview, and this was two or three years ago, saying that their goal is to someday uh, get to get to the big leagues, of course, and the CRA it matches up with that path, so it doesn't surprise me a bit. Andrew Shine, of course, uh, with Cadillac West Racing, as Brian uh, hinted at. Um, so I, I'm, I'm excited to see. He finished seventh in that final race at Berlin. By the way, running a pro late model with Berlin's super late model division. So uh, a great showing there to finish seventh at the end of that. Um, and then the last two for me are a successful Owasso Nationals, Rich. You had a chance to go there. Great showing at the front gate. Great showing on the racetrack. And um, I'm, I'm happy for Owasso, one of the few tracks, really the only pavement track in Michigan to get a full season in at their home racetrack. Congratulations to them for being able to work that out. And uh, the Owasso Nationals, their major event, and, the, and they did a good job with it this year. It was great. And I was able to uh, actually sit down for the first time uh, for a little while with one of our new correspondents, Chuck Darling. Mm -hmm. So, and so I leaned on him a lot because I had not been to Owasso before. Okay. So, but, a, but a great late model race, uh, outlaw late model race up there. Of course, Blake Childers picking up the win there. Uh, Brandon Short having a heck of a run up there. And we all thought Kyle Crump was going to walk away with the win, but, um, he got underneath Childers late in the race inside 10 laps to go. And just coming off a of turn four, just looped that thing down the front stretch. Um, flattened a tire and, and then he was done but uh kyle crump put on the show that that day that's for sure the final pavement thing of 2020 that i want to discuss with you guys tonight as uh, we're recapping some of the biggest headlines of 2020 with myself zach heiser rich france and of course uh, brian osborne the voice of Merritt speedway is galesburg presents m40 now this got really interesting mid-summer when all of a sudden uh, basically Kalamazoo County came in and said, uh, no, you're not, you guys aren't racing Kalamazoo Speedway. You're done. Galesburg Speedway. You're done. You guys aren't racing anymore. Um, you know, Galesburg has been flying under the radar. Kalamazoo hadn't got a race in Galesburg had been racing. It got messy to say the least. This is where I thought it was interesting though. The folks from Galesburg Speedway and the folks from M40 Speedway in Jones, Michigan struck up some sort of deal and Galesburg Presents M40 Speedway was born. All of the guys from Galesburg, for the most part, and all the divisions and all of the uh, officials packed up shop, went to M40 Speedway, and they finished out their 2020 campaign, Rich. This was something I had never seen before, never thought I would see, where folks from one racetrack just pick it all up and go somewhere else. Well, I guess, um, you know, the way the... Way the uh the tracks were open this year, Zach. It depended what county you were in, really, to be honest with you. We're, that's no secret. Um, some health departments thought that if you could provide a good enough plan, we're going to let you race. Well, the health department down there in Jones said, yeah, you can come down here and race. We, uh, apparently, 
they didn't feel that they had an issue. And um, that was a pretty creative way for Ed Santora and his staff uh, to move things after, you know, after he was told at Galesburg, no, we're not going to do it this way. Um, We're going to have to shut things down. Um, That's a creative way to do it. And and I give them all the credit in the world. Um, I don't know how it worked out for them in in the end, but I I know they were uh, surely had some fun this year and and they, they had some fun races all the way up till this weekend. <laughs> a couple of days ago. <laughs> Brian Osborne, your thoughts on this. Had, had you ever seen anything like this where we take basically one racetrack and move it to a different location? Not really. I mean, there were, yeah, I, I can't recall anything like that. I mean, maybe, uh, I know there's been some promoters that have opened an old, like an, like a fairground racetrack, but a, but it's not really it didn't really have anything to do with said promoters points or anything so yeah i can't not think of it but i'm with rich i, th- I think it's a very creative solution i'm, I'm kind of glad to see that they get, were able to pull it off who knows how well it really worked out for them but uh it, it was just i thought it was pretty cool well brian uh, i want to move on here rich anything else on the pavement side specifically that we may have missed that kind of sticks out on a highlight reel moment for you here in the region uh, yeah, we, we, probably one of the biggest this year is what we we didn't touch on was uh, Steve Needles finally picking up his Glass City 200 win um, after, you know, we talked about it. He said eight tries, but it felt like 20 years with all the problems he had and how many he should have won. Yeah. Um, and then the troubles he had during the event that uh, kind of got him. Uh, let, let's say a little bit excited on the radio, uh, like when we talked to him, but, uh, you know, that was a big deal. And like we all, like we said, that was a popular, popular win that probably should have been his third or fourth by now, but that was great for Steve needles to pick up, finally pick up the outlaw late model one at the glass city 200. We do have some listener comments that we're going to go over toward the end of the show. Some folks have weighed in on what their favorite events were of 2020. We'll talk about those coming up. Let's move to the dirt realm. And that's one of the reasons Brian Osborne joins us tonight. The voice of merit speedway. He did some work at tri city speedway as well. Uh, another one that we have, hook, line, sinker, and reeled in to the Horsepower Happenings correspondent list. Uh, Brian, I want to start with you on the dirt realm. Uh, anything that really just sticks out to you from 2020 as far as major headlines? Oh, man. So many to go over here, I think. <laughs> um, well, um, we, well, like everybody else, uh, we were ha- able to have a season, at least we, meaning Merritt Speedway uh, specifically, we were we were the first track open. That was a pretty big moment. I think that's a headline um, in itself, actually. Yeah, that that's a headline in itself. And being there, it was it gave a it really amp kind of made the season mean more because people don't people we look back in hindsight twenty twenty, <laughs> funny enough in the year twenty twenty, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> think oh yeah it, it it must it was just easy peasy went through a whole season no problem well. It wasn't because for 90% of that season, we honestly didn't know if we were going to come back. Yeah. And it, it looks like I said it lo- looking back now. Oh yeah. We just did it like a normal season, but yeah, every week I'm telling you, it was always, we might not be back. We might not be back. It was just playing that game and kind of, uh, so every week we just, we didn't know if we were going to come back. So that was the biggest one opening, uh, opening night at Mira. And um, that's, I mean, just being the, 
center stage for the whole racing community, let alone the dirt world, was was pretty big. I think that one of the things that I'll always remember was those first couple of weeks, Rich, you'll, you were there, Brian, of course, was there. Uh, you mm-hmm. couldn't get any further than the parking lot on that property unless you went through the COVID screening trailer, which was something I had never done before, you know, having to get a, a screening to show up at a racetrack. Um, that's one of the things that always stick out in my mind about the things that we had to do in order to be able to race. And Zach, I've done a lot of things at a racetrack before. Uh, I've flagged, I've announced, uh, I've worked the gate. Uh, that was the first time I was screening fans with a temperature gun. Yeah. So I, I, I had some free time and Mike says, Rich, you want to help me out? So I had 500 fans in line, taking every one of their temperatures, writing it down on the COVID form. Um, it, it was such a, and as I'm doing this, I just can't believe what I'm going through at a gate of a racetrack. Yeah. And then you realize how good it's going. And then, then you just can't wait to go racing because you just, you don't want anybody to fail. You want everybody to be right. Yeah. Um, everybody to be healthy. And, and we did, uh, not, not one person on the, that came through my table, uh, was sick. They, everybody was right where they should be. So, and that meant we can go racing. You know, and we could keep going racing as long as they did that. The success of Mike Blackmere and Merritt Speedway uh, was, was I think, a part of getting Tri-City Speedway open. And once Tri-City was open, Brian, we were able to launch the Lane Automotive All-Star Performance Late Model Challenge Series for the Merritt and Tri-City Speedways. What a successful, in my opinion, first season for that Late Model Challenge Series. Uh, you didn't know, I don't believe you knew week to week who was going to end up in victory lane with those races, Brian. No, I mean, it started off, uh, Rusty Schlink won the first one, and one of the best, I mean, Mike Blackmer said it was one of the best late model races he's ever seen, for what for what that's worth, and I would agree, I definitely said it was one of the best that I had seen in at least five years. And this was at uh, Tri-City, to, right? This was at Tri-City, yeah, and that was, the, that was opening night, uh, and... Yeah, and that's not a track Rusty has raced very much, if at all, and I can't recall off the top of my head, but it was it was phenomenal. And then, yeah, we were able to get all the races in. Again, we didn't know, but we did. And for one thing you can say about Mike is he likes to think of himself as a trendsetter sometimes, but it, <laughs> who would have thought? I, I, you know, I've only been in, in this for, what, eight, nine years, and I just never thought I would see the day where 10,000 to win became a normal. Yeah. <laughs> <Semi> <laughs> yeah, he hosted a lot of those and and that kind of well, so let's end the uh, late model challenge series discussion. Travis Stemler goes on to win this championship, Brian, but well, and I'll, actually I'll throw this to you, Rich, because you helped us cover uh, about uh, 60% of these races this year for horsepower happenings. We didn't know for a while if it was going to be Travis. The points battle was so crazy for a while between Travis and Rusty. That was a lot of fun to watch this summer. Yeah, the problem, the, the every, you know, all three of those guys will tell you the reason that the championship probably went to Travis was because of qualifying. <laughs> uh, the big qualifying points that were up to gra- up for grabs, uh, Travis just was better at it this year. Um, not that not that Rusty was never the fast qualifier, but but Travis did a whole lot better at it, and that was the difference. And and just to write a little bit on what Brian said, you know, um, I don't recall. I think I went to. I think I went to seven or eight challenge races, to be honest with you. And I don't remember one that wasn't exciting all the way down to the last five, 10 laps. That's they were point. spectacular races. Every single one of them. Um, 
they couldn't have had a better year for the inaugural year of the uh, late automotive late model challenge series. I don't believe so either. I thought that it was interesting the way that the 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 qualifying Brian, we've talked about this uh, in dirt racing. Let's make qualifying mean something, and I think Mike did a great job of of doing that for the late model challenge series. Yes, yeah, one hundred percent. I was really glad that he made that. I mean, and. You know, again, if people didn't know, we gave for the challenge series, there was there were no points awarded for heat race finish positions. It was all based on feature finish and qualifying uh, overall qualifying finish. So I thought that was exactly what we needed to see just to give a yeah, like you said, Zach, a true meaning to qualifying uh, more than just setting the field. It like it encouraged guys to not some guys like to sandbag sometimes and you couldn't do that. You had precious points that you had to go after. And I I think that was great. Travis similar ends up being crowned the champion. He collects $10,000 in the process. Don't (laughs) Mark Coolier, a driver, don't Mark Coolier, a driver who put a lot of money in the bank this year, Brian, you and I talked about that. I think we had a total at one point of the amount of money that he made in 2020. It was out of control. If there was a big money late model race anywhere around this region, you should have just went ahead and put Donomar Coulier down in the win line because he was unstoppable when the money was on the line. Yeah, I think he finally uh, cracked the code as far as making money in racing. <laughs> I mean, uh, what, what was it? You guys talked to him right after the Hell Tour race, and he had already said he had his winter program already paid for. So yeah. I can't uh, can't imagine what he's going to be set up for uh, next season. And, guys, just to, you know, I, just to follow up on that, you know, that – all the $10,000 races for as many as Dona Marcullier won, Travis Stemmler won two of them as well. Right. So how, so how many were around this year? There was obviously money to go around between those guys. Yeah. And you know what? Here's the other thing too. Dona Marcullier made enough, enough money in 2020 to uh, not go out and buy a black diamond, but rather to buy a real diamond for Sarah, which I thought was pretty cool. Apparently, that's all you got to do if you're a woman in racing is just get your man to victory lane for a couple of $10,000 shows, and you'll get a rock on your hand. (laughs) (laughs) Or or forget to take her down when you win the Hell Tour Summer Nationals, and you have to marry her just to to make her happy again. (laughs) We already talked about Dona becoming the first Michigan driver to win a Hell Tour event in the state of Michigan in over a decade. That was on my list. Uh, Brian, we'll go back to you. David Melke backs up his uh, Dirt Car UMP Late Model Championship at Merritt Speedway, goes back-to-back. This was uh, just his first year uh, with a solid commitment to late model racing. And, uh, you know, I'll be honest with you, I I don't recall talking about David Melke a lot this year, but, Brian, he must have just stayed consistent enough to uh, make it count when it mattered. Yeah, I know. That's the thing. It's kind of – it's – we've got so many other there were so many other big races going on it just kind of milky yeah david just kind of slips in there at the bottom of the radar but uh yeah he definitely always at the top of the chart i mean very consistent finishes and uh and he must have been there i mean guys like dona rusty they're not at mira every single week uh they like to have a day off here and then but david's there uh weekly and he's always always at the uh, at the front of the field so it doesn't surprise me but yeah to go back to back um yeah, and, and uh, kudos to him. I mean, last year he did it running just two cars. This year, I guess he made it a little easier for him, just focused on the one car, but still ends up as the champion. Brian, I you know, following the, you know, ethanol tours for a few years, and then now uh, spending a lot of time this year up at up at Merritt. Um, tell me what's going on with Eric Spangler. He, he just didn't look right all season long, and his car never really looked bad, but he just was not 
competitive uh, to win on a weekly basis? You know, that's something I've been trying to figure out also. And it seems to me, and I, I don't know, it's, it just seemed, I think, Zach, you and I may have touched on it last season, not, not 2020, but 2019. But ever, he made the change from Masters Belt to Black Diamond. And ever since, he just hasn't, still hasn't made, uh, been as competitive as he once was. And I'm not sure, but 2020, sure, yeah, he, he did not have as many great uh, finishes as he would have liked to, I guarantee. And, and by competitive, we mean dominating at Merritt yes. Speedway, which he doesn't do anymore. Right, exactly. He, uh, I mean, when my first two seasons up there, I mean, there, you guys remember the summer of the uh, the controversial one the one pills. He <laughs> always the one drew pill. the pole. We didn't see that, and we didn't – I mean, there were times where I saw – I mean, he would go a lap down in yeah. those long races, and that's something I'm not used to seeing. Not many people at Merritt Speedway are. So I, I'm, I'm curious, too. I, I'm not sure what's going on. And the bad luck that followed him, too, and it didn't matter where he went, whether it was Tri-City or Merritt, um, whether it was Attica, somewhere else. I mean, the bad luck that followed that car, this, that 27 car this year, whether it was cut tires or mechanical failures – um, they really, if they weren't running poorly, they had a hard time keeping the car on the track even. Um, so I, I'm interested to see. I know that uh, they've basically done a wholesale um, sell-off there uh, uh, in Lake City. They're bringing in a lot of new equipment, Brian. And uh, I don't know if he's going to go back to Masters Build or, or what his plan is, but I know that uh, a lot of stuff went on the market, and I think they're bringing in a lot of new stuff. Well, that, that makes a lot of sense. I mean, I know... Um to add that in, I know it one, he did go to 96, one race. I, th I don't think it was 2020, but 2019. And, uh, after that, I think he's kind of swore the place off just because, uh, he told me his cars tend to, people tend to wreck there a lot. Mm. And, uh, uh, he happened to wreck that night yeah. and it was, uh, it's just a big track, a lot, you know, same problem that a lot of late model drivers have with 96, just being such a, a high speed, uh, place, but, um, but yeah, I mean, yeah, you're right. It'll be interesting to see if he makes another chassis move, goes back. Uh, I think he, last I knew, he did still have a Masters Belt race car that he may have even wheeled out once during 2020. So I wouldn't be surprised to see that, or it could be a wholesale change. Who knows? Let's move on. Uh, another interesting story for 2020, Nick Kurtz. Uh, I think a lot of people know the struggles that he went through uh, between having some personal issues, also lost a family member. And they stay consistent, they stay tried and true, and they pick up a Winston Speedway Championship. We talked to him on the show. They didn't seem too excited to have accomplished that, Rich, but I think that they'll look back and be proud that they are track champions with that 79 car. Yeah, and, you know, now Nick, what is it, uh, two out of the last three years, Nick Kurtz was the champion at Merritt a couple of years ago, right, I think? Yep. He had, he had a championship there, and now goes out to Winston and picked one up there. So, um, you know, Nick Kurtz knows what he's doing. I, I, I got to go out there once, so I, I got to talk to him. And, um, you know, I, I'd like to see what they're going to do. I'd love to see him um, come back and run with the Challenge Series. That would be really neat. I think I think Nick Kurtz, to be honest with you, Zach, if he did, if he could work all that out for whatever needs to be done, he would do real well on the Challenge Series. Yeah, I know that, uh, you know, I think that from watching him with ethanol, I think Nick Kurtz is a heck of a wheelman, and I think that, uh, you know, with Steve there helping and everything, I think that they could be good. I think they fell into a slump there in 2019 at the end of the ethanol deal. Uh, they, they, they picked up that Merritt Speedway Championship, and then they kind of went quiet. Um, and, uh, you know, I don't know what the, the cause of that was, 
But uh, I hope Nick does well. I hope to see him just like you and and, and uh, see him do well here coming up in 2021. Um, as we uh, near into the end of our dirt discussion, Mitchell Hunt, we had a chance to talk to him a couple of weeks ago to track championships in 2020 at Winston and at Thunderbird and the IMCA regional champion. Um, Brian, we've seen this guy wheel a race car a couple of times, whether it be at I-96. I know he's made a couple of special appearances at Merritt or Tri-City. But how cool in your book to not only be a regional champion for IMCA, but a double track champion in one year. Uh, that puts you right up there as far as accomplishing something in my book. Yeah, it definitely shows that uh, you're you're good almost every week, not just uh, one week here or there. You're always performing at a consistent level at the very, at the very least. And to do it, not one, but two, uh, two tracks. I mean, that's, that's pretty crazy. And then, yeah, a regional championship, nothing to, um, you know, nothing to slight to uh, slight at. So uh, yeah, hats off to that young guy. I mean, he's, uh, he's really tearing it up in the IMC mods. Uh, let's move on to some other headlines for 2020. I'm almost done with my list, and then we'll uh, see if we missed anything. The Great Lakes Traditional Sprints and Great Lakes Super or uh, Great Lakes Lightning Sprints make their debut in 2020. Mike Spatola has a uh, great year in that two car. Beats Brian Ruhlman on the final night at Crystal Speedway. Finishes a couple of positions ahead of him and beats him by just a handful of points for the championship. For the first year, I said Mike Spatola, and that's not right. That's a late model driver, Rich. Um, yeah. <laughs> I'm sitting here going, wait a minute, Spatola. I know. I was right. like, when was Mike Spatola in a sprint car? <laughs> How about Mike Galagia? Mike Galagia gets the job done um, over Brian Ruhlman. Brian Ruhlman was in a sprint car. Let's just throw all the late model guys in non-wing sprint cars. Um, and then the Great Lakes Lightning Sprints, they had a great season as well. Jared Horseman becomes a two-time Great Lakes Super Sprint Series champion. It comes down to the final event at I-96 Speedway, where Ryan Rule was within striking distance but that championship was wrapped up after qualifying um, and Jared Hortzman becomes a two-time Great Lakes Super Sprint Series champion and that's my list of uh, big headline stories in 2020. Gentlemen, did we miss anything? I don't know, Zach, but uh, one thing I can tell um, with looking at the schedules that uh, we've hit, we've had come out, especially I-96, we're not going to see a whole lot of you, but Great Lakes is. <laughs> it sure looks like it. Yeah. Uh, they're going to keep you awful busy this summer, it looks like. Yeah, I'm excited to see what the full schedule looks like. As we talked with Barry last week, you can find that episode where you find your major podcasts, whether it be Stitcher, Spotify, Apple Music, uh, or iTunes, I should say, um, and, of course, SoundCloud. You can go back and re-listen to that. He gave us a couple of nuggets there on what the full schedule is going to look like. But uh, it's going to be an encouraging schedule, I think, for all of the Great Lakes series. Uh, Great Lakes family of sprint cars. It's going to be a, some good stuff. Brian, any headlines we may have missed uh, from the 2020 season? I can't think of any. That's good. That's good, man. It was it was <laughs> exciting. You know, it was exciting to see all the racing that we were able to get to on the dirt this year. And uh, Rich, you, you actually got to spend a lot of time at dirt tracks this year. I did, and I need to add one more to it. And it's um, you know, kind of the end of the season, but um, I think. How, how bad it was to start out for Jet Gore mm. and how good he is doing right now. Um, he is home for the holidays uh, from Cincinnati, from his treatments, before he has to go back for his final round. And all indications are that that young man is doing very, very well. And we just want everybody to keep praying for him. I know I, I love following him on social media because every other day he has a different T-shirt from a different race team <laughs> that he's getting his photo taken in. And I think that is flat out under, outstanding, the support he's getting from our racing community. Um, you know, and, and Brian knows all about him. So um, 
but I think that's very cool. And uh, one more round, and hopefully he's back up this way, and uh, we see him back on the track this summer. Brian, it's been pretty cool uh, from from this angle to watch everything. You know, I know Mike Blackmere speaks very highly of that family and of that young man, and uh, I know that that Mike really um, has has helped us has helped bring this whole situation to light. And um, you know what an inspiration it's been, Brian, to see everybody rally around this young driver. Without a doubt, yeah, it's uh, this is you know one of the times where we you know I, I definitely am uh, proud to be part of the racing community, and it's like I said with, without uh, Mike bringing it to the public, I mean I I sure didn't know about it until he brought it up, and uh, it was just great to see everyone like I said seeing those T-shirts. That's just one of the coolest things. People, uh, you know, everybody just sending their memorabilia, and he's always got uh, got a different one on. Uh, yeah, it's it's that's one of the it's one of the more um, moments of the year that like i said i think all of us race fans and the racing community can be proud of that well brian i know you got to get back to a a couple of uh, commitments that you have tonight i want to say thank you for joining us and recapping 2020 and brian we look forward to working closely with you in 2021 yeah looking forward to it guys always a pleasure all right thanks brian rich uh let's continue our discussion here tonight a couple of things going on in the national scene here this year that we need to touch on and i think the first one we should touch on is one that captivated us at the very beginning of the year back in february and that's when ryan newman had that vicious crash at daytona international speedway i think that you and i both thought at that time that we had just witnessed another fatality in our sport you know zach that was a that was a rough night we were we were trying to get a show in you know, we were trying to actually get a show in that night. And, um, you know, we did, of course, we would have loved to talk about the Daytona 500 and, and, but, but it wasn't appropriate right then. I mean, it wasn't, um, you know, that wasn't the time tr- to try to squeeze that in. Um, and then we, you know, we even talked to Jeff Striegel when we had him on and he was even, um, kind of dumbfounded, not, not knowing what to say, because what do you say when you don't know? when every little any any little thing you say can be construed in a different way so it was scary i think the scariest thing was for so long there was no news yeah and 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 that was the scary thing about it usually it's okay he's in the ambulance he's talking we never got that we spent a long time wondering there was a lot of dead air you know here's the other thing that i couldn't help but think about when we witnessed all that is mike joy had already experienced this one time and Mike Joy was being very quiet <laughs> during that broadcast. Um, and so we later found out that Ryan had a head injury, spent some time in the hospital. But then just uh, within a week later, Rich, we, uh, you know, a couple weeks later, we watched him walk out. And, uh, what, you know, what a what a sight that was. It was unbelievable, uh, you know, walking out with his with his little girls. And then, um, you know, probably what was even more shocking, um, you know, a couple months later, he's back in a race car again. Um, the guy has no fear. Um, I think it's just amazing. I think I would have had to just take a year off and kind of just, uh, we'll, we'll relax here and, and just kind of enjoy this season. But no, he, um, he got back in that race car and performed very well. And now he's going to go run the chili bowl here in a couple of weeks. <laughs> yeah, I think, I think he's probably a little safer there on the dirt. Don't you think? <laughs> Yeah, I don't think it's going to be a problem there for sure. Now, here's one of the other top stories for me in the national scene is NASCAR becomes the first professional sports league to return from the uh, COVID-19 shutdown that gripped our country. They return at Darlington. 
and basically the entire world was watching NASCAR to see if it could be done safely. And they, they worked out a way they worked out a way of doing it. Obviously, no fans, um, no practice, no qualifying. I mean, there wasn't anything. It was we're going to show up. These guys are going to we're going to unload these cars. We're going to let them work on them. And we are going to have a race like you would do on a Saturday night without yeah. practice, just Good showing luck. up. And that's what they did. And I got to experience that a little bit because um, with ARCA, I was able to attend one race because ARCA now is now owned by NASCAR. Uh, I was at one event at Toledo Speedway, no fans. Uh, I was there strictly reporting uh, as the media on that. And um, it was a weird feeling. My first race in my life to watch with not a fan in the grandstands. And um, it it looked like, to be honest, it, it at Toledo, it looked like a couple hundred laps of practice. Yeah. Um, that's the feeling that you got, even though it wasn't, you know, Ty, you know, Ty Gibbs going at it on the racetrack. Um, it, 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 that's, it was, it was a battle on the racetrack, but it just didn't feel like that. Uh, you know, up in the, up in the media tower and, and looking down and seeing no one. So NASCAR returns. Uh, what a good show too. You'll never forget uh, Chase Elliott flipping Kyle Busch the bird on national television in that doubleheader event, um, which I thought was just uh, you know what a fa- <laughs> what a fantastic showing for NASCAR to to show that they still got a little grit in them. And then another eerie race was when the World of Outlaws returned, Rich, and they went to race to an empty Knoxville for the uh, World of Outlaws Sprint Car Series. Um, you know, you've got you, you've got basically you've got Johnny Gibson calling the event for Dirt Vision and for the folks in the infield, and they do the four wine salute, and there's nobody there. What an eerie feeling! I know, and that's you know I, I and it was weird. So, you know, they tried to do a to to do a good job um, with any of the races that were televised to to not show the grandstands, to just show so you could you could see the pit road or you could see the infield with the trailers, but they tried to do the best they could to not show the grandstand. So it didn't look like they were racing in front of nobody, even though we knew they weren't. So, so, um, but it was, uh, that was a tough, uh, you know, six or eight weeks to get through, uh, before we started seeing races where we actually saw a few people in the stands. Kyle Larson wins 45 dirt races in a single season, including uh, winning a heat race in his late model debut with the Lucas Oil Late Model Dirt Series, and then just, what, two races later, goes out there and picks up a feature win as well. Uh, Kyle Larson, you know, obviously got kicked out of the NASCAR sanction for a poor decision that he made during the shutdown. We all know that story. That doesn't need to be revisited. That, to me, is not a top moment of 2020. But him going back to his roots, back to the dirt tracks, and just putting on a clinic... Um, I think was great for dirt track and short track racing in America. And I think now that he has signed back on with Hendricks, uh, the Pennsylvania posse and everybody in dirt track racing can breathe a sigh of relief. It, would you say it's a top moment of 2020 that he's got a ride with Rick Hendrick in NASCAR already? I think that that is definitely got to be in the conversation. We know that Rick Hendrick is known for taking a chance on some guys that maybe are um, a risk. And I think, that Kyle Larson is a risk in the sense of sponsors. He's not a risk in the sense of uh, what he can do on the racetrack. He can win on the racetrack. We know that. I think he probably, um, Michael McIntyre and I probably could argue this, that I think Kyle Larson wins more races if he's not with Chip Ganassi 
Um, I think Chip Ganassi is just kind of not a field filler. They can win on a good day, but they are no Rick Hendrick. They're no, uh, you know, they're no Joe Gibbs. They are not these guys that are going to go out there. They're not Stuart Haas Racing. They're not going to win every single week. Hendrick Motorsports can do that. Um, we saw Jimmy Johnson fall off, but then we saw Alex Bowman coming. We saw William Byron winning. And I think we're going to see Kyle Larson head back to NASCAR Victory Lane in 2021, if not once, a couple of times. Well, and you look at, yeah, you like you said, look at his teammates. You know, you do William Byron, uh, Bowman, um, Elliott. I mean, those are, <laughs> those guys run well just about everywhere they go. And now he has three other teammates um, that he can lean on. I think I think you're going to see Kyle Larson all of a sudden just start winning a bunch of races. I don't know that it's going to be ten, but I bet you he wins more in 2021 than he than he's ever won. I mean, obviously in NASCAR, but uh, but we'll have to we'll have to see. But I think this is a brilliant move for both sides um, if we can just keep Kyle Larson off i racing. Any other top? Yeah, any other top moments of 2020 that we may have missed? Uh, we already talked about Ty Majeski. And the Snowball Derby win, I guess I would throw in Casey Roderick and his All-American 400 redemption going to victory lane one year after just completely being embarrassed by that race. Anything else that tops your 2020 national list? You know, we we, we always thought we kept going to these races hoping we would see something um, that we would talk about, uh, you know, with Bubba Pollard and Stephen Nassie. But usually it was negative between those guys, um, you know. Stephen Nassie did win a super, the Southern Super Series race down at Pensacola right before the Snowball Derby, or right before the All-American 400, I'm sorry. And um, so he won a race down there. Bubba Pollard got the Blizzard Series championship. Nassie got the Southern Super Series. But none of them really stood out in 2020 to say, wow, can you believe what he did? Right. Well, it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds the rest of 2021. Um, that's pretty much it for 2020. Obviously, M40s had a couple of Enduros here over the last couple of weeks. And so let's, before we take a look at the upcoming calendar, I do want to mention one thing that is going on in 2020, and that is our current HPH Best Driver Challenge presented by Victory Custom Trailers. The template late models have been incredible to watch. The fans be a part of this. Um, we just had Dan Leak, the two-time Jag CRE All-Star Stewart champion, take on the winningest driver, the ARCA CRE Super Series, and Brian Campbell. Uh, Dan Leak gets the win. This has been really – Kyle Crump upsets Carson Hosovar late in that battle uh, to move on. This has been a really fun one to watch. Well, what, what, what you're figuring out is some of these the, some of the fans of these drivers are a little late to the game. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> I mean, Dan Leak had to come back. Brian Campbell had a lead for about uh, you know 18 hours of the 24 hours, and then the uh, then the Dan Leak Racing Posse came out and in full force and just voted like crazy, and and, and he got by him. Um, we we obviously know this is this is a popularity. It's just fun that we're having, but uh, we're gonna get down tonight. It's pretty fun. This is gonna be a good one, Zach. Tonight, yeah. Uh, Dan Leak is back on the calendar tonight. He is taking on Evan Shotko, who has had an outpouring of support on social media. The driver that won two races at Berlin out of the four that were held in 2020. This kid has got some folks behind him, and they are trying to push him right on to the final. And then in two days on Wednesday, we'll have Kyle Crump taking on Hunter Jack. 
And the winner of those two will battle on January 2nd to be determined the uh, HBH Best Driver Challenge presented by Victory Custom Trailers. I am going to say that Kyle Crump and Hunter Jack might be the most voted matchup we've had on this template late model yet. Yeah. Watch that. Watch that one. That might be that there might be some very high numbers going back and <laughs> forth because both of those drivers were supported very, very well. Yeah, Dan Leak and Evan Shotko, that one that just dropped about an hour ago, well, about two hours ago now, is not going to be one to shake a stick at either. Those guys are going at it head to head, and that win winner will be determined tomorrow night at eight o'clock. Rich, let's take a look at the upcoming calendar here tonight. And as we do so, we've got a couple of major events that are coming up, but first, a couple of traditions that have to happen. And those are hangover races coming up here in the area. Yeah, and, and I think you might have talked me into trying one. We'll see how I feel after <laughs> one if I want to go back. It, it uh, the the only thing is, uh, it might rain on uh -huh. on Friday at Sandusky Speedway, from what I understand, in the forties. But rain, the hangover race Friday, January first, Sandusky Speedway, uh, and then they've got a partner this year. So we're not only going to do do the hangover race on pavement, Zach. We're going to do it on the dirt as well. Uh, the very next day, hangover race number two on Saturday, January 2nd, Millstream Speedway in Finley, Ohio, on the dirt. Both races, spectator gates open at 11 a.m., both days racing at 1 p.m. Any weather, it will not be rained out. It will not be canceled. Uh, if you want to go out and have some fun, January 1st and January 2nd is your next shot. Bring your flask. It might get chilly. <laughs> Um, and that it, it could be chilly. That's right. But I, I did see temperature was going to be in the forties, but if it's windy and rainy and sleeting, uh, yeah, a flask would probably be the perfect thing. Let's talk about some, uh, little more organized racing that's coming up in the next couple of days. Rich new Smyrna is on the calendar and we do have a local driver that is scheduled to go down there and compete. Yep, the Red Eye 50-50, Zach, uh, 50 laps for the Super and Pro Late Models down at New Smyrna. That's Saturday, January 2nd. Um, it, it's still early this week, so if you want to make the 17-hour drive down to New Smyrna, you can do that. Uh, our own uh, Hayden Sprague is going to be down there running uh, in, in his Pro Late Model, so uh, we'll have to see... Uh, I'm probably going to try and go for the pay-per-view option, not the 17-hour drive. <laughs> so if you can't make it down there, uh, you can log on to speed51.tv, and uh, they will have the pay-per-view for that event on Saturday the 2nd. And looking ahead into a little bit further into next year, the 35th running of the Lucas Oil Chili Bowl Nationals coming up January 11th through the 16th. Uh, limited fan participation this year. I did see a picture today. They already have hundreds, Rich, hundreds of trucks and trailers lined up ready for load-in for all of the cars that are going to be uh, a part of that this year. And then looking a little bit further ahead, CRA Speed Fest at Watermelon Capital Speedway in Cordial, Georgia. That coming up, as we said, on January 22nd and 23rd. And then before we know it, Rich, we'll be looking at Speed Weeks in the month of February. Yeah, it's... Uh this is a tough few weeks to get through, Zach, and then we get some more racing uh, coming our way. Um, you know, for us here in Michigan, if you, if you want it, you, it's no lie. You're going to have to travel to go see some uh, if you want to be in attendance. But uh, before you know, it'll be April, and hopefully, hopefully, uh, 
we'll be in good shape here in Michigan and we'll be able to get our race seasons at all our tracks started on time. Hopefully you get to take in some racing. Maybe you'll see Rich France at uh, Sandusky Speedway for the hangover race, offer him a beer. I'm sure he'll go for that. Um, I'm interested in the mill stream on Saturday at uh, the dirt track in Finley, Ohio. I might have to make a trip down there and see that. We'll see if I get permission to do so <laughs> here over the next couple of days. But uh, that's going to do it for tonight. Let us know if we missed any of your favorite moments. And actually, I did promise we were going to do this. Let's take a look at some of our listeners' favorite moments here from 2020 as we get set to close out the show. Uh, Rand Thompson, a uh, friend of the program. You know Rand very well. Uh, very well, yes. Photographer at Flat Rock and Toledo Speedways. He says that it boils down to three events that were his favorite, and the only one we didn't cover, he says, was seeing his friends A.J. and Arn uh, Henriksen, I believe, at Sebring, coming out with their John Andretti tribute, Trans Am Challenger 43, driven by John's younger brother Adam. His two other ones were Katie Hattinger winning the uh, feature at Toledo on her way to a series championship, and Steve Needles winning the Glass City 200, and uh, seeing all the raw emotion that was down there in Victory Lane. Yeah, that was that was cool. Uh, uh, Rand gets around a lot. He loves Sebring. He loves going down there. Big road course fan. Uh, anytime with if we ever get into road course and we got to get road course and we want to talk to somebody, we got to bring Rand because he, he is very very knowledgeable. Denise Jack commented on our post, and she is the uh, she is the mama. She is the creator behind Hunter and Tanner Jack. She says her favorite moment this year was on Oct was on August eighth at Anderson Speedway when Hunter and Tanner were racing back and forth for the lead. The crowd loved it. The younger one, Tanner, won the race. He was so excited to win against his older brother. Hunter was happy for him, and they finished one two in that event and hugged each other in victory lane an emotional event she says this is forever my favorite moment tammy says september four days of racing four different series outlaw late model non-wing sprint wing sprint and modified this is a good one two wins a second and a fourth as well as two fast times for none other than the rocket tyler roerig that's a very good one that we didn't even talk about tyler did a great job this year and it didn't matter what you put him in yeah, and it, and it and we didn't see him a lot this year because he wasn't he was spending a lot of time down there uh, in Indiana. You know, he didn't even he didn't even come to the Glass City 200. So uh, yeah, but no, Tyler Roerig did an outstanding job. Yeah, do did we even see him in an outlaw up here very much? I don't think maybe once or twice. Uh, outside of that, he was just you know maybe the summer sizzler down there but that was about it he spent a lot of time in the sprint car one of our friends from across the border doug comments he says that uh, for the first time since he was just five years old he wasn't able to see a race in person due to the covid 19 restrictions for border crossings but he did watch a ton of online racing and he marks kyle larson's thrilling win in the ironman 55 world of outlaw race at peevely as his top moment after battling with jacob allen sheldon hodzenchild rico abreu and shane stewart for a wild and crazy 55 laps uh, our own Chuck Darling says that the Hell Tour win at Tri-City Motor Speedway for Donamar Coulier tops his list, and then the Ron Hauser 75 and Owasso Nationals for Outlaw Super Late Models are also at the top of his 2020 list. So I think that covers it, Rich. I think that is a wrap. Put a bow on it. Send it on out of here. Get the heck out of Dodge. 2020, we're done with you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks yeah, for the I memories. Think, yeah, I <laughs> Really, and, and this is probably more than th this is not sarcastic, Zach. <laughs> this can go away and never come back, really. Uh, I know we have some more work to do here the next few months um, to get everything right the way we need to do it, whether it's um, 
you know, I don't want to get political, but whether it's wear a mask, whatever we have to do to get our racing, our tracks back open, we need to do it. Um, and, and we need to do it and make sure that everybody is good for April because we don't want just the same tracks opening or a couple opening. Uh, we want everybody to open on time, everybody, that even the ones that did not get an event in, we want them all back on the schedule so we have choices right. in 2021. Looking forward to that uh, for myself, for Rich France, for Brian Osborne. Thanks so much for tuning in. Thanks for supporting us this year. It has been a wonderful uh, experience to work with you, the fans, and the drivers who support our show. We really do appreciate that. Hope you had a Merry Christmas. Uh, hope you have a fantastic New Year. And we look forward to talking to you in 2021, January 4th. That's just one week from today. And uh, we'll get a chance to talk to you then. Rich, my friend, thanks so much. Have a happy new year. And uh, we look forward to talking to you again soon. You got it, Zach. And remind everybody, our Dirt Challenge is coming up in 2021 <laughs> in January. Everybody, Everybody's giving us a hard time. Dirt Challenge is coming up. Stay with us. Absolutely. For Rich France, for Brian Osborne, for Scott Medlin, who owns and operates Horsepower Happenings, I'm Zach Heiser. Thanks so much for tuning in. We'll talk to you same time, same place, right here at Horsepower Happenings. You've been listening to Horsepower Happenings. Catch up on past episodes by logging on to horsepowerhappenings.com and be sure to tune in next week to keep up on what's happening.